In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the epistle reading from 1 Thessalonians, which you've heard. You may be seated. The last Sunday of the church year provides us with an opportunity to focus our minds and our hearts on the end times in a way that is godly, rather than with the panic I sometimes see among Christians. You probably know what I mean, and you've probably had these thoughts as well. I know that I have. Conflict in Israel? Well, that must mean the end times are here. Society is getting worse and worse all the time. Must mean the end times are upon us. The government sanctions and celebrates merit as marriage things that are clearly not marriage. The end times must be here. Looking at these events and worrying about the end times has a tendency to lead to panic among Christians especially. Even if that panic is covered over with a sort of a soft form of a, of a fatalistic Christian resignation and a stiff upper lip, as the Brits would call it, it's still panic. So first of all, I want to make clear to you all that we are, right now, currently, living in the end times. Your intuition is correct. The time between Jesus' ascension and his final return in judgment is marked with all of the signs that Jesus has said will mark the last days, and they're all around us. War, rumor of war, earthquakes, famine, distress of nations, people fainting with fear and foreboding, it's all right there for us to see. But as I said, this has been the case since Christ's ascension into heaven. There's nothing new under the sun, says Solomon, and that's true also of historical events. Paul's writing makes it clear that he thought the end of all things would come at any time. Martin Luther famously believed that the Reformation was a sure sign that the end was upon them because the clear gospel proclamation had gone out. He thought there would be a mass conversion of the Hebrew people living in Europe, and he thought that was it. Jesus was coming back at any time. And here we are about 500 years later. Second, St. Paul reminds us of an important piece of information that we ought not forget when it comes to the last day. He says, it will come like a thief in the night. Sudden destruction will come. Jesus himself reminds us that no man knows the hour of his return, not even in his humiliated state, the Son of Man. This last bit is more than a little bit frightening when you think about it. Jesus describes himself like a thief who will bring sudden destruction. That's really not an image that we generally like to consider. We like the Jesus who hefts the little sheep on his shoulders and smiles at all the little lambs around him, rather than as a thief who comes to destroy. But this is an aspect of Christ's return that we ought not lose sight of. The Old Testament prophets, after all, almost universally describe that 
day as a day of misery and terror for all who are upon the earth. Jesus himself also compares his return to the days of Noah. He says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when, the, when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I find something really interesting in all of that stuff about the suddenness of Jesus' return. Those people who really ought to be fearful of the Lord's return, they're the ones who are completely unaware of what's going on. But it's those who are faithful to the Lord's promises who are often afraid of what is to come. While St. Paul tells us in our epistle reading, while people are saying there's peace and security, nothing bad is going to happen, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. When the cry goes up at midnight, it will be too late for those who were not looking for the Lord's coming to fill their lamps with the oil of faith. But is this also true, this terror? Is this also true for those who belong to the Lord Jesus? Should we, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, fear that day? St. Paul goes on to say, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. You, dear saints, are children of light. You are children of the day. That means that the Lord Jesus has not destined you for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you that you might live with him. So as we speed toward the coming of our Lord Jesus, you do not need to be afraid of what is to come. Because you are the blood-bought children of the Most High God. Today, we had a beautiful picture and reminder of how that came to be and what that actually looks like. This morning, Grace Elizabeth was washed in the very blood of Jesus. St. Paul says of her baptism and of yours, for you are all in Christ Jesus, sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. By baptism, Grace Elizabeth is now adopted into the family of God. She and all of the baptized, all of us together, are the children of light. How appropriate that our liturgy includes the handing over of the burning candle, that light this morning that is similar to that light of the five wise virgins who are waiting for the coming of, her, of their Lord. She has put on Christ what Paul calls here the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet which is the hope of her salvation. 
In addition to her beautiful baptismal gown this morning, she is clothed now and armored with Christ and his righteousness. These serve as her protection against the schemes of the devil, the world, and even her own sinful nature, which all three together want to lull her into sleep and to forget to watch for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Dear children of light, God has not destined you for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for you, that whether you are awake or asleep, you might live with him. You don't need to panic or be afraid about the Lord's coming because he has already given his life for yours. He has taken on the guilty verdict for your sin and he has given you his everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And so St. Paul concludes with this. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Little Grace has now been baptized into Christ and she has been made a part of our fellowship here at Trinity and part of the broader fellowship of the Holy Christian Church on earth that extends back to the Garden of Eden and runs even into eternity with the Lamb on his throne. No man is an island unto himself and no Christian is a Christian by herself. We are baptized into a family that we might encourage one another and build one another up as we wait for and hasten on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace has not come to know the sorrows of the world beyond an empty stomach and a dirty diaper. But you all know the pains that come with life in this world. As children of light, we stand as reflectors of Christ's light to those who are around us, especially to one another within this congregation. This means that we shouldn't simply ignore one another's sorrows, but we should bear with them. So fulfilling the law of Christ, says St. Paul, it is now our responsibility to bear witness to the light of Christ as grace grows seeking always to build her up in the knowledge of her Savior, Jesus. And may God grant us this loving work to do and fulfill what we are unable. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.